Chinese jets across Taiwan, US and UK exercises in those waters. How worried should India be about the situation over the South China Sea? Hello and welcome to Worldview at the Hindu with me, Sohasini Heather. We're going to take a quick look at all that's happened just in the past week with headlines coming out of China, US, Taiwan and other countries of the region to begin with over four consecutive days. This is what we saw. China sent a record number of in all 149 jets, but as many as 56 on one day to conduct sorties inside what is called Taiwan's Defense Identification Zone, the ADIZ. China really does consider Taiwan to be a part of its territory, remember, although since 1949, the Taiwanese islands really have been controlled by a separate government. The sorties that we saw came as the US, UK and allies actually had conducted military exercises in the region and amongst those exercises they passed through water south of Taiwan including in their flotilla the British carrier HMS Queen Elizabeth. Now this is the first time the UK or anyone has sent this kind of ship since 1997. This also follows, China's actions also followed the first Quad Summit in Washington, which Prime Minister Modi had participated in, as well as the announcement of the AUKUS, the Australia-UK-US partnership for nuclear submarines in Australia. So clearly tensions ratcheting up between those two sides there. The Taiwanese defense minister in uh, the legislature called it, quote, the worst situation in 40 years. Taiwanese President Tsai Ing-wen wrote in an article that Taiwan will, quote, never bow to Chinese pressure. So the rhetoric is ratcheting up as well. Now, the United States, which actually criticized the flights, then counseled restraint. President Biden actually said that the U.S. and China will abide by their earlier agreements. He quoted a conversation with President Xi Jinping. And those earlier agreements are, of course, that the U.S. recognizes a one-China policy in place since 1979 and that it has a separate agreement on Taiwan relations as well. It contributes to Taiwan's defense. Now, at a meeting in Zurich, the U.S. National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, and his Chinese counterpart, Yang Jiechi, set the stage for a virtual summit between President Biden and President Xi, expected in the next two months by the end of the year. The Taiwan situation also came up during a visit to Delhi by U.S. Deputy Secretary of State Wendy Sherman, who had a public engagement called the Chinese strikes, quote, a very dangerous action. Now, where was India in all of this? No statements, of course, from the government. The Indian Air Force chief was asked directly about the situation, and he said he would not like to comment on an issue between two other parties. So why should this situation over there even matter to India. Three or four main reasons for that. Firstly, it contributes to instability in the region. Already we are seeing US-China tensions ratcheting up and really polarizing the world in many ways. The government is already dealing with Chinese aggression at the line of actual control and it would like to avoid having to make any actions that could precipitate more violence between the two countries. There's India's membership of the Quad with the US, Japan and Australia, where it says it's committed to keeping the Indo-Pacific region free and open. But of course, India is part of other groupings as well, like the SCO, BRICS, RIC with China. Now, there is a history to the India-Taiwan engagement, if you like, because of course, these areas have uh, existed for decades. In 1949, when India recognized the People's Republic of China, not the Republic of China government, the Kuomintang government that had taken shelter in Taiwan at that time, known as Formosa. India actually not only recognized the 
party in Beijing as the government, it adopted a one China policy. That means it recognizes the PRC, the People's Republic of China, as the government of all of China. India's relations with Taipei over the next few decades, in fact, through the Cold War era, really froze as a result of that particular action. But then in 1995, particularly after Prime Minister Narasimha Rao began the Look East policy for India, an India-Taipei association was established. And then it led in 95-96 to the setting up of an Indian office in Taipei and the Taipei Economic and Cultural Center in Delhi. Now, both of them are empowered to issue visas, but remember, they are not the equivalent of diplomatic missions on both sides. India has, of course, always been sensitive to China's concerns on this issue, particularly on territorial integrity, which is an issue for India as well. But after a number of Chinese aggressions at the line of actual control, the LAC in, in those years, in 2010, China's comments on Arunachal Pradesh, as well as its uh, decision to issue stapled visas for residents in Jammu and Kashmir, India has actually stopped officially using the term One China Policy in its communiques. In 2011 then, Delhi and Taipei actually signed a double taxation avoidance agreement, also a customs mutual assistance agreement. Uh, that was in July 2011 and it made the relationship or engagement a little more formal. And then in 2018, Delhi and Taipei signed a bilateral investment agreement because, of course, economic ties between the two have not been stopped. And, of course, Taiwan has economic ties, biggest economic ties with China, mainland China. Now, as Chinese PLA aggressions at the line of actual control led to the Galwan killings in 2020, there have been calls for India to step up those ties, step up that engagement with Taiwan. Coupled with questions about whether India, as I said, a newly active member of the Quad, will take a more vocal approach on China-Taiwan developments, or will it remain sensitive to its ties with Beijing? Remember, India is, of course, not alone in not recognizing any government in Taiwan. The United Nations only recognizes the government in Beijing. Most countries as well see the PRC in Beijing as the sole government of China. And that means that they don't recognize the ROC in Taipei. Currently, there are only 15 states. Out of 193 countries, 15 states recognize Taiwan and the Republic of China. And those countries don't have official relations with Beijing. Countries like Belize, Guatemala, Haiti, the Holy See, Caribbean Islands, Nicaragua, Paraguay, uh, St. Lucia, St. Kitts and St. Nevis. Now, another 57 countries have representative offices like India does in Taipei, but China has succeeded in, in fact, bringing back two countries that had recognized ROC to PRC. Now, there are several areas where India's ties with Taipei could actually grow without changing the current status quo. One is, of course, tourism, bring in more tourists from both sides. Trade, bilateral trade between India and Taiwan increased from about $2 billion in 2006 to $5.7 billion in 2020. Now, trade figures with China, remember, for the same years for India were $90 billion in 2020. And $149.2 billion is the Taiwan-Chinese trade. So you can see that in terms of scale, Beijing does a lot more business with each of these countries. There's also a lot of interest in investment in technology as a place for India-Taipei ties. 
According to reports, India and Taiwan are in talks for an agreement that could bring a ship plant. This is on uh, semiconductor technology worth an estimated $7.5 billion to India to supply really everything from 5G devices to electric cars, really a need of the moment and for resilient supply chains as well. And health relations, especially in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic, India could benefit from some of Taiwan's expertise in dealing with the pandemic and help step up health and science research. Taipei, of course, has failed to even get itself an observer status for the last few years at the World Health Organization, where India has an important position and, of course, cultural ties between the two. So for more on this situation and what India's position really is, let's bring in the Hindu's China correspondent, Anand Krishnan. He's also the author of India's China Challenge, a book that must be read, really, to look at all India's concerns in this region. Thanks so much for joining us on Worldview. Anant, I'd like to begin by asking you, really, given the situation of the past week, how valid are fears that Taiwan could actually become the focal point for a U.S.-China clash? I think it already is in many ways, Suhasini. And I think the fear now, uh, with the U.S. putting out a statement as well, with these huge aerial intrusions by China, I think the here is something, an accident could happen in the skies. Taiwan will be under pressure to respond to these provocations into the ADID. I don't think anyone really expects China to intentionally lo to launch a war at this point. It seems to be more signaling to Taipei and Washington about its red lines. But I think there is a real fear, Swasini, when these kind of gamesmanship happens uh, with such high risk in the skies. I think everyone will be worried that an accident could lead to things spiraling out of control. On Monday, as you mentioned earlier as well, we had 56 aircraft from the PLA Air Force in one day coming to the ADIZ. These are numbers you haven't seen before ever. So I think there really is a concern among many parties that this could spiral out of hand if something untoward happens. And we have our own sort of experience with China, Swasti, on the LAC. When clashes happen, often it happens maybe when, when brinksmanship goes out of control. Now, there have been other incidents in the region. And as you said, you know, kind of brinkmanship has developed. Uh, but we also saw the announcement of the Australia-UK-US alliance. There's also some of India's hesitation on any talk of militarizing or formalizing the Quad. Is all of this really related to Taiwan tensions as well? But so I think India is in a bit of a curious position where, uh, on the one hand, as you said, it is working with the Quad and other countries in the region, but it is unique in not speaking about Taiwan and not speaking about Hong Kong, not speaking about Xinjiang. And it is unique in taking out a position where, uh, as actual affairs minister Jai Shankar put it last year when asked about Xinjiang, we have our own problems with China. Our plate is full. So it's going to be interesting to see how India navigates that in, in some ways being... Uh, the lone person in the room of all of these countries that are now working together in, in the Indo-Pacific through various groups, uh, whether you call them alliances or not, it seems to be unique in not wanting to speak about these other problems. So I wonder how India will uh, carry on that balancing act going forward. The more it develops closer ties with the US, with Australia, with Japan, with the UK, all of whom have been fairly outspoken, if not at least commenting on what's happening in Taiwan, as well as Hong Kong and Xinjiang as well, which India still so far hasn't said a word. In fact, what really are those reasons for India's hesitation when it comes to speaking about uh, any of these issues, to comment on rising tensions? I think, Swasni, as you know, I think part of it is also historical, where I think pretty much since our early years of relations with China, uh, India has 
signed on to the view that whether with all of its inconsistencies and hypocrisies, the notion of internal affairs not interfering in other countries' internal affairs, uh, which is something that India still states and clings to. So through all the twists and turns of bilateral problems with China, uh, with border tensions and the like, uh, India still has been very, very careful to not mention anything uh, in terms of what's going on in China internally, even after uh, China raised Kashmir four times uh, at the UN after the reorganization. You didn't have India really say much or do much explicitly, whether on Tibet or Xinjiang. I don't see that changing for the time being. And it seems to be that the thinking in Delhi is that, as Jai Shankar put it, we have our own bilateral problems. We'll work on that and we'll leave it for other countries to raise those issues. And given that India's stand is likely to remain the same what are the ways in which India and uh, Taipei or New Delhi and Taipei could engage without actually affecting India's ties with China in any way? Doing that in smart ways without uh, attracting the ire of China, perhaps helped by the fact that it doesn't say much uh, like the U.S. does or doesn't send former senior officials like the U.S. does. Uh, India has been doing things on the business side. Uh, the fact that India did a taxation agreement with Taiwan, which Perhaps if a Western country did it, China may have taken actions. Uh, the fact that India has, has been discussing various trade and investment arrangements with Taiwan, the fact that you have major Taiwanese companies present in India, uh, and India's justification for that, as you asked me, is that, well, you have major Taiwanese companies present everywhere in China. Uh, so when China and Taiwan have huge investment, huge trade, it's, 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 India is very well within its rights to pursue that. And I think you will see a lot more on the tech side. Uh, given that India has taken a big stand to ban Chinese companies in 5G, uh, the fact that India has been saying diversifying supply chains, working on semiconductors and the like, it will be wanting to do much more with Taiwan, which would be a natural sort of uh, place where India would want to have closer trade and investment linkages. And I think you will see a lot more of that going forward, but done quietly under the radar, perhaps without the statement that you might see from other countries. Anand Krishnan, thanks so much for joining us. The Hindu's China correspondent, Anand's book, The China Challenge, as I said, is a must read. And we do have some other book recommendations for you on the issues as well. To begin with, the most recent, The Long Game, How the Chinese Negotiate with India, by former Foreign Secretary Vijay Gokhale, who was also posted once in Taipei and has been India's ambassador to Beijing. That's a book that talks in, in some length about those kind of negotiations. There's also India-Taiwan relations in Asia and beyond. This is a set of papers that's been edited by Jagannath Panda. These were papers presented at the Institute of Defense and Strategic Analysis, an IDSA conference. Uh, there's Uncharted Strait. This is a book on the future of China-Taiwan relations by Richard Bush, which is quite highly acclaimed. And of course, a book I have mentioned in the past, India and Asian Geopolitics, the past, present. Uh, that's by Shiv Shankar Menon, former NSA, who's also one of the authors of a new report out on India's relations, which we will speak about. But that's all we have time for here on Worldview from the team here. Thanks for watching.